Welcome back to the All About Jesus podcast. We've got Pastor Dave Stevenson here from the First Baptist Church in Pattonsburg, Missouri, and a good friend Joe Garten back with us. Um, I'm going to start off by reading uh, some scripture here from John 7, 38. Believe in me so that the rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. Uh, Pastor Dave, will you start us off in prayer? Sure, be honored to. Father God, Lord, we just thank you for this time that we can just come together, and Lord, just to, Lord, not only just to share our hearts, but Father, Lord, to share what you're doing within our hearts, and Father, within our own lives and the ministry that you have placed us in. So, Father God, I just ask for your anointing upon this time as we just visit one with another. And, Lord, that your word would just go forth from our mouths. And, Father, Lord, to the, those who are listening and will penetrate their hearts, Father. And, and Lord, would just uh, open their eyes that they may see you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Um, yeah, we just uh, was sitting here getting ready for this podcast and Willie had stopped over, and Zach Ishmael was here, and Thane stopped by, and Eddie Kurtz, and of course us three, and had a circle prayer that was really powerful. That yes. was uh, really cool. Um, when me and you'd met, you'd called me one day and just started uh, wanting to know when the next Man Up Revival was. And we just, after I got off the phone, it was just like, there's something we need to do with uh, Pastor Dave at the uh, Pattonsburg Church. And it just started... Uh, Things started rolling, then we had that Tears of Love revival, and uh, then we had a couple man-ups at your church. But uh, Joe's here. There's just a connection between you and Joe and his son, Wake, that uh, we was at a man-up revival in Ridgeway, and uh, we got to the end. I think Eddie was the one preaching, and uh, people was just praying over the pastors. A really a cool deal. Then uh, then Wake come up to you, and uh, you'd tell that story. Yes, and... Uh... I want to go back just a little bit there because uh, I didn't realize that man-ups were going. You know, I knew you all were praying about it there at Gilman. Uh-huh. And uh, then uh, Brad Walker told me he was going to go to a man-up. And I thought, I just thought that was just a one-night thing and I had missed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just really overwhelmed that night that went to Gilman City and just the fellowship that was taking place and you know no one made you feel like a stranger and and uh, you know so couldn't wait for the next one and then uh ridgeway yes as we were down there and the pastors were standing down there and the men was coming up and laying hands on us to pray over us which is always a special special time yeah why uh, i felt the holy spirit just really moving in, in my heart and all of a sudden I felt my pant leg being pulled on and I thought that's kind of unusual you <laughs> yeah. know and uh never thought much about it and I felt it again and finally you know I mean I was always taught when you close your eyes to pray you never look until you're done regardless what goes on around you you know <laughs> and the Holy Spirit just said uh, look down to your right and be blessed. Oh, wow. I looked down and there was Wake had a hold of my pant leg because he couldn't, you know, he was standing there on the step and, you know, that's about as high as he could reach. And uh, some will say, well, how do you know he's praying? Well, all you have to do is look the face of a person. Right. And you know, beyond a shadow of doubt, whether they're seriously praying or not. And I tell you what, he was in a deep, deep prayer. And my heart just broke. Oh, I bet. <laughs> you know, I mean, never in my life have I ever had a, well, how old was he? Nine. Nine-year-old boy grab a hold of my pant leg and pray for anointing, I guess for an anointing of God upon my life, but just to watch him pray and uh, then smile afterwards. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that smile really gets to you, you yeah. know. And, uh, but even at the time when we were all worshiping down there at the altar, I mean, nobody wanted to leave after that. Oh, that was, you know, he was still praying and, and I walked up to Joe and I said, you know, is that your son? And he goes, yes. And I don't know what else was said. And, uh, you were crying a lot. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So was I. <laughs> it was good. It was real good. And, uh, but right then, I think that, and I don't think I know, that developed a relationship, a special relationship between Wake and, and myself. Yeah. You know, uh, there's a bond there that will never be broken. Mm-hmm. Regardless if we never see each other again, the memories will always be there and will always be treasured and will always be a reflecting part of my heart to where, you know, if I'm down, I can just go back to that moment and say, hey, here's a little nine-year-old boy that stood up for the Lord and, and prayed an anointing over my life. Yeah. I remember you come up to me and say, who is that guy with that man up shirt on? Older fellow, Wake just prayed for him. And I couldn't really figure it out either. Then it all started uh, coming together where we, let me just, because uh, when I'd talk to you on the phone, then you'd walked in the door. I think it was that night. I wouldn't really even know who you was. Right. Then all of a sudden, it's just like we hugged each other. Like then it just, then we just started really getting connected. Then I've, of course, always been connected to Joe and then Wake. I'll be Joe. I'll call him for some prayer. Then he'll ask Wake if he wants to pray for me and what's he need this time. And <laughs> <laughs> he's a tremendous. For nine years old, I mean, his prayers are powerful. Yes, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm gonna start crying over here and like proud dad. You know, I mean, just just to see that um, it's so simple. You know, as a child, you know that I mean, we we make it really complicated. But if we're just obedient and pray and believe what we're praying for. That's one of the things I've asked him before. Like when you prayed for that person, did you believe they were going to get healed or get, you know, whatever? And he was like, well, yeah, why wouldn't I? You know, it's like, man, the the doubt doesn't even enter their mind, you know, childlike faith. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, that was an awesome moment. Then it led to the uh, Tears of Love revival. And then we had uh, couples, then we'd have somebody interviewing and different ones all connected. Then, uh, um, the night that you was going to preach on the Wednesday, it was the same night Joe and his wife, Brianna, was going to uh, oh, yeah. um, give their testimonies. Then Eddie Kurtz, a good friend of ours, interviewed him. But just knowing that uh, that was the connection we needed, then uh, you brought Wake up to the stage and kind of talked about it then, too. He and that so was nervous. Uh, that was, <laughs> he was like, what is he going to make me do? <laughs> he was like, I'm ready to leave. I don't want to be up there. I'm like, and, and I told him I wasn't going to embarrass him you know, or make fun of him, and he just looked at me and smiled like, yeah, right. You know? <laughs> that was a... That was a really powerful moment when you brought him brought him up there. Yeah. Um, after we've had the Tears of Love revival at your church, has there been any kind of, uh, what do you think that's done for the, done anything for the church, you think? It seemed like it's such a powerful deal. I think it opened up the eyes, hopefully, of everybody that was, that actually came from our church, that how much that we really need a church revival. Yep. Not a, and when I say revival, I know a lot of people will think, well, you know, evangelists will come, you know, Sunday morning through Wednesday night or Wednesday night through Sunday morning and uh, preach a 30, 40 minute message. We'll have song, make everybody feel good. And that's the impression I think many have of revival. Right. And, but to me, when I say revival, I'm talking about a transformation of the church. Yeah. You know, the people within, you know, their hearts are broken and and they're wanting to, to repent and draw close unto the Lord and strengthen their relationship with God. And, mm-hmm. and uh, once revival takes place, then, then we can begin to pray and for a spiritual awakening within the community. Mm-hmm. And I, to me, I've been hearing how much we need a revival. But my question is, are we willing to, how much are we willing to prepare for that revival? Right. You know, are we willing to get before God and with a broken heart, you know, and to pray that God, would you just pour out a revival upon us as a church body, mm-hmm. you know, and to then to go forth and, and to have that spirit anointing revival? Like, uh, of course, our uh, we drove stakes and prayed over the town. That was really powerful. But we didn't, uh, none of the members that showed up at that one, I don't believe. But as the revival went, there was pretty good, uh, pretty good pack of them. Then Butch really got uh, fired up. And we went out on a street reach. And I think we gave out a flyer to everyone in town. And I think some people even come. That would really, 
that was really cool seeing the church kind of come together for that. So I think, yes. and I'd walked in that church. I mean, I really got uh, lit up. So I think there's really something there. And I think that we'll be back there with something. And, uh, and Pattonsburg is just such a center location. I just really think it's going to be a, really something's going to happen there. Yes. Yeah. I just, I was thinking when we were there, I was thinking about how, I mean, you've kind of already <clears throat> plowing the ground, so to speak up there. And, and, uh, when we, when we do a street reach somewhere, um, which is just coming in and taking food out door to door, um, it's the beginning of the street reach is like, it's always the most important part. It's like we show up with, with all this junk going on and we have to have a clean out session before we can take what we don't have anything to offer the people that are out there. If you're, if you show up like that and I feel like revivals want to come in and make it about cleaning me up so that I can feel better. But really if you're in the mindset of I'm, I'm getting cleaned up so I can go help somebody then the Lord's he's in that. I mean, you know what I mean? Yes. But Yeah. I just thought it was a, I thought it was really a powerful, it was really powerful there to that, uh, Tears of Love Revival. I loved uh, doing it, and I think if uh, when the next one comes, I think the more of the church will be getting involved in it and just kind of seeing something different because if you just go to church in uh, one spot and you don't go out and see these different things, I don't think people really realize what is all going on. Right, and sometimes I don't think we realize the work that God is doing outside our little realm or our little mm-hmm. area. You right. know, We may hear about it and that's great we need to hear but to see it and to visualize that is really to me that's what impacts me the most right yeah i just uh as i went to church you know quite a bit when i was younger than just uh the new excitement that's in these buildings i just don't know why that you would not want that inside your church i mean that's what draws people to come and uh you know you want more people to to be at church you want more people to be saved and uh, just sitting there in your pew and not doing anything and i always said if you know you ask somebody to go to church and they finally come and you sit there beside them and you're just sitting there praying but you don't get up yourself and make your way to the altar how do you expect them to humble themselves or even know that they're even supposed to be able to do that when nobody goes up there somebody's got to step up and get up there and humble themselves and show them you know build the road to there right and you also got to greet them too and talk to them and make them feel welcome and you know that whether they're just visiting for the first time or just passing through or whatever you know you got to make them feel welcome like they're part of the body of Christ and just not a stranger yep that's it like first corinthians 13 he said let me show you the greatest way you know love somebody right like you just show up we show up to people's door at street reach and we had one that just just walk up and like, hey, we're actually here to pray for you. And the, the woman just lost it. She just started crying. Hmm. And she didn't even know the Lord, but she just started crying because we were there, you know. And it's like, she, you know, she'd lost her son. And it's just showing up in the, and being that love for someone. I just keep thinking about that, that like that's a gift of the Spirit. That's a gift from the Lord. I mean, the Lord, he God is love. And like when we show up being him for them, that you're loving somebody. True, to truly love someone, that's what he said, that's how you'll know, the world will know that they've sent me. That's how they'll know that you're my disciples. Um, love one another as I've loved you. The two commandments, love the Lord and then love your neighbor as yourselves. It's like all this this love message, it's like the Lord just keeps beating it in, in my head personally. It's just like I've given you that gift. You know, a lot of times people want to take it to somewhere else, like healings or whatever, and he's just like, just love them, you know, love them, and just just keeps coming. And love conquers all. Yeah. Bane and uh, Nate had come to your church one day just to visit on a Sunday, and they said that everybody was very welcoming to him, and that's just what it really drawed me to you, just your openness and just your love for people and uh, just how uh, whatever we wanted to do there at the church, you know, that was biblically correct, of course. I mean, you was up for it. I mean, you was up for change, uh I don't know how old you are, but you wasn't stuck in your ways and uh, ready for things to happen and not get in the road of God is what really drawed me to you and what really made me just uh, love being around you. As we've sat around and uh, talked a lot before the revivals and afterwards, just your a lot of your testimony, uh, I can't remember it all, but uh, you kind of want to just kind of give a, some of your testimony of how you got into the into the 
preaching. I can't think of the right ministry. word for it. Yeah, ministry. <laughs> and uh, kind of go through that. Sure. Uh, age 9, I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord at Grand Oaks Baptist Assembly there at Chillicothe at church camp. And, uh, of course, as a young boy, you know, I mean, and we all went through this where we were all excited and couldn't be quiet about it. And, and I know my grandfather came and picked me up on that last day, and for the next two and a half hours, whatever it took to go home, I grew up in a little town in Gentry, Missouri. And, uh, you know, I just talked his leg off, and he just would sit there and shake his head and smiled, you know, from year to year. But when I got home, it's a different story because my dad was basically anti-church, anti-God. He said he was a Christian, but the actions weren't there. And my mom was excited, but because of my dad's temper and everything, why she wouldn't say a whole lot. And went forward in church, you know, made it public, was baptized. But the thing that I learned, though, later on was both of those encounters, no one sat down and shared what the Bible had to say about salvation. And uh, then when I was uh, had a rough life, my dad was very abusive physically and, and verbally. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a what we called a youth-led revival. And I had just surrendered my life to the ministry. And uh, right before revival, I had a car accident that by all reports... I should be six foot and under right now. Now, before this, I remember some of this. She was a real good baseball player, correct? Yes. Yeah, I enjoyed baseball. I thrived on baseball. Uh-huh. And my dream was to play for the St. Louis Cardinals, you know, as a young boy. And and uh, every time they were on TV, I'd watch, especially the catcher, if they would show it. Uh, radio, we listened to the St. Louis Cardinals, and that's all I ever wanted to be. And then the car accident uh, shattered my knee, and that took care of the baseball. Was there some pretty good hope of the baseball leading somewhere, you think? there was. I was real optimistic about it, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, I was going to have a chance to play collegiate ball in a small college, and, of course, the car accident took that out. But hallelujah for a good Christian coach who put me on a weightlifting, exercising program to get my leg and my knee built back up. And uh, then he got a a job for me to work on the baseball field. Oh, yeah. And in doing so, I got to practice with the guys, you know. And uh, uh, every once in a while, we had an odd man, so I was kind of like the old saying, odd man out, you know, and and we'd have an inner scrimmage and get to play with them and they were saying, and, uh, but I, I remember that every time I'd go in the weight room, he was always there, and we had prayer first. Hmm. And his prayer was basically, God, just strengthen this knee and show him that you have the power to bring forth not only a physical healing, but a spiritual healing. And so he was actually seeing something there that I wasn't seeing at the time. And uh, we had <clears throat> revivals that we would, revival teams that would go out, and that's how I met my wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was preaching at Lineville, Iowa, at the Baptist church there, and their ch- church she attended, they came over. and It was our duty to promote the college. And I always tell people I promoted it so hard that we got married and she didn't get to go to college. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, but, so, yeah, so, you know, uh, I coached some baseball, you know, for a little league and and, uh, helped that way. But, uh, you know, God had other plans, and sometimes we get so focused on what we want to do. Yeah that God has to go to the extreme to get us focused back on him. Sounds like, though, that after a pretty bad accident, I mean, it could have went, could have took a hard turn left there and went into alcohol or whatever a guy could have done, but it seemed like you stayed right on path with a good attitude. 
I did, but I had some great godly people that made sure I stayed on that path. And one of them was my grandfather, who, uh, you know, a very godly man. I mean, he'll tell you he had his faults, you know. And but you know, you look through those faults, and you look at the heart of the person, right? And uh, you know, I watched him pray three times a day, actually four. Because uh, after supper at night, when all the chores was done, he had his evening meal. He pulled out his Sunday school lesson and would study a section a night, read God's holy word, and when all done, he'd pray over that. And, uh, you know, it leaves an image right. in your mind, you know. And this is your mom's dad? Yes. Okay. And a uh, very quiet man, never had a whole lot to say. He's kind of like E.F. Hutman when he spoke to everybody listen. Right. I remember he saying that. He said there's only one song he would sing. Yeah, only one song. That was Amazing Grace. Really belted out. <laughs> belted out. And uh, Grandma, if she wasn't playing the piano, would elbow him. But, and I finally, you know, I mean, as a teenager, we get inquisitive. And, and he was a man that I could talk to, you know, and share my heart with and my feelings. And, and he'd always you know, help us walk through that, but then the decision was our decision, you mm. know. But I asked him one day, I said, why is it that you just sing Amazing Grace? He said, I know you can't sing and I can't sing, but we make a joyful noise unto the Lord, which tells me the Lord must be tone death, you know. Right. <laughs> but, uh, and he just looked at me with all sincerity and said, that's my testimony. Mm. That's good. And I never looked at it that way before, yep. you know. And, of course, then when we had his funeral, why we everybody sang Amazing Grace. A question that kind of came to me that I never thought, as I've heard before, how uh, your mom and dad had got along. How was the grandfather through that situation? I know your mom had kind of wasn't good, and uh, being a dad would have been, I think, very, very difficult. We are beginning to... Well, before my mom ended up getting Alzheimer's, we were beginning to, and I say we, my brother, my sister, and I, were beginning to learn things that happened that we didn't know about. Mm -hmm. And uh, my grandfather was, even though we were probably a half mile from each other, uh, would never step in unless he was asked to. Mm -hmm. You know, but yet very, very supportive. Yep. And was always encouraging. And uh, he lived on a farm. So, yeah, it was hard work, but he made work fun. Yep. And uh, was always there, you know, for us. And would help take care of us. And, you know, we were, we were his children. Even though we were grandchildren, we were all his children. I think he just kind of put you under his wing since knowing your dad was not he doing did. the right thing. Yes. Yep. Sounds yeah. like an awesome guy. <laughs> he was. Yeah. He was. As a matter of fact, when he passed away, uh, I remember sitting in my church study one day, and I got so mad at God, I actually just shook my fist at God and just said, how in the world can you take a godly man in my life out of my life? You know? mm. And uh Lord began to show me that it was time, you know, my grandfather completed the race that was set before him. Mm -hmm. And he had somebody else in mind to come in, which I didn't realize. But I started taking seminary extension classes at uh, Trenton at First Baptist Church. And uh, a, ma a pastor by the name of Kenneth Hull, who was pastor at 10th Street Baptist Church at that time, uh, was my instructor at a class and actually ended up becoming my mentor. Oh, wow. And uh, through him, God began to show me that I told you I was going to replace and bring somebody in your life, and he did. And, and I know that when my grandfather passed, we had a test on that following Monday, and uh, I flunked it, and <laughs> I, I rolled off. I remember writing on my test paper, you know, I'm sorry I flunked this class, and I told him, I flunked the test, and I told him why. Well, a week later, we get the test back, and there was a big A on it. <laughs> so we took a break, and I told Brother Ken, I said, this isn't right. And he began to ask questions, and I answered them. He goes, I know you know it. 
But as the guy did, he said, I'm surprised he even showed up and took the test. And he said, I prayed over it. And he said, uh, no, you got what the Lord told me to give you. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, and I thought right then and there, that's a good lesson to, you know, sometimes we're quick to judge, but we just need to look at the situation and the circumstances that caused the person to, in my case, flunk a test. Yep. Do you think when your grandfather passed away, did that really um, strengthen your growth in the, the Lord instead of maybe kind of relying on the grandpa or? Yes, uh, after a period of time. After a period of time. Yes, you know, uh, through that grieving process and and uh, learning to, you know, when the family got together, we learned that we could still talk about him, you know, and, and all the lessons that he taught us, all the fun things that we remembered that, you know, and the times that we probably should have got the right rod high belt wrapped around us but didn't. And, uh, but just, you know, all those lessons that we can apply in, in not only our spiritual lives, but in our everyday life as well. Yeah. How old How, were you when it happened? I was uh, 40 or just a little over. <laughs> That's funny. I feel like before I asked you that, I already knew. That's how old I am now. And like, I, did, I feel like the Lord's doing a transition in me personally and like, uh, this year is going to be a big shift. I don't know what it is, but you feel it coming. <laughs> One of those. Where was you preaching at then? I was preaching at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Chillicothe, Missouri. In Chillicothe. Just outside of Chillicothe. Is that still there? Yes. Is it? Yeah, yeah. we drove by it when I took a boy over to church camp on the way back home. Why? Oh, it's on 190? Yeah, on 190 out to Route A and then okay. just... First gravel road to your left. I think off. I know now. I think I know what you're talking about. And Joe, you're 40 now, but then you've not from Chillicothe, but really of getting such a uh, desire for Chillicothe. Yeah, it's hard to explain. I was standing outside last night in my spot, which is on top of the playset that I built the kids. There's a little tractor in the very top of it. It's like a platform mm -hmm. where you can lay or stand. And I was just watching last night, and I looked and and I said, Lord, you're just gonna you're gonna have to show me. And point me where do you where do you want me to go? And as I stood there, I could see the two glows. There was Brookfield over here, and there's Chillicothe over here, and and the lights, you know, were lit up. And there's this great big lightning storm in the middle of them. I'm like, wow. this is so wild, you know, to stand out here and look at this. And I felt like the Lord last night was was just saying, start pulling weeds. Like, so I've got this big place at the house where I need to pull the weed garden, you know, and mm -hmm. and start cleaning it up, preparing it, you know. And he's like, just start start putting the work in so that whatever's coming next, like, um, that's, that's step one. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, so. <laughs> wow. It's not pulling the weeds out of your life, is it? Uh, maybe both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's probably what we all need to do, I'm, yes. I'm sure when I go start pulling weeds, I'm going to start talking about the things that these represent. <laughs> <laughs> I already felt that one coming. <laughs> so then you was over at Chillicothe, then where'd you go after, after that? After that, why, we ended up going to northeast Missouri. Mm-hmm. And had the opportunity to be a not only pastor church, but uh, a friend of mine who pastored over there. Why he uh, introduced me to uh, volunteer chaplaincy mm -hmm. at uh, Blessing Hospital there in Quincy, Illinois, mm -hmm. and uh, which was really great because I'd already been in the medical field as a volunteer, and then to be a part of that and they they had an excellent chaplaincy program in fact it was the number one program in the state of illinois oh well and uh, a missionary north american missionary is the one that started it there and uh, you know it was always our understanding that if there was anything that went against our beliefs or we didn't feel comfortable in doing then we weren't required to do it and uh, one of the joys was just going around, visiting in the rooms, praying with people. Uh, yeah, we had crisis that we dealt with, and uh, but just being there for not only the families and individuals involved, but there for the medical staff as well, mm. and uh, learned a lot. Uh, nurses taught us a lot on how to talk to the nurses. You know, and, and to this day, if I have to go into like an ICU room, I'll still stop at the desk, 
make sure it's all right if I visit with so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I get ready to leave, I'll stop the desk, tell them thank you, and uh, see if I can pray for them as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, by doing that, it gets you into back in there several more times when maybe other people couldn't get yeah. back in there. Yeah, that's good. Because they have needs as well, just like the patients does. And yep. Um, as you just kept uh, going along through your um, ministry, um, what do you really think that uh, maybe would be really good advice for like a young young man that's getting into it or somebody that's just like Joe that maybe is going to be a pastor someday? What kind of advice would you give him? You know, today, and amazing you bring that up, today <laughs> I started Micah in my Bible, uh-huh. Quiet Time. And, uh, you know, Micah was very burdened for the people, so that would be one thing that I would say, be burdened for the sheep that God has placed you as a shepherd with. You know, love them. But then in my quiet time, and my devotional time, I'm reading a book called nine marks of mature Christian. And there was one point that Dr. Robert Loggins put out to wrote that, uh, do not quit. Hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. if God has called you that don't quit, don't give up. Yeah. You know, ministry is not a bed of roses, you know, and glorification, you know, uh, I always tell people the rose, you know, you can run your finger up the rose stem and never feel nothing. It's when you fall back is when mm, the thorns good. hit you. And uh, that's, that's the way. <laughs> that's really that good. Yeah. good. <laughs> and that's the way ministry is. I mean, you know, we have our great moments, but then there's those moments when, uh, you know, things may not go right. Uh, you become heartbroken over situations and or heartbroken over the spiritual condition of the people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, love the people, love your flock and stay faithful unto the Lord and find a way to feed yourself spiritually. You know, it gets pretty draining sometimes. And that's what I like about the man ups is, you know, uh, that's my feeding time. You know, I go hear other guys who are struggling and, and see men of all ages worship the Lord and just to be refueled, mm-hmm. you know, and only through the word, but through the fellowship, through the love. And, uh, you know, and so we need to keep ourselves filled up as well because it can be very, very draining at times. Oh, I bet. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> it's just a little bit that I've done. You know, you get uh, kind of a guy, not me, but, you know, the Lord and, you're kind of discipling him, you kind of get him this way, then they turn off, and, you know, then one makes it, you know, where you want him to. It's so gratifying to turn around, then it's just the next day it'd be like, man, what in the world happened? It would be a minister would just be a very tough job. I mean, you get you can't get very high or you're going to get knocked right back down, that's for sure. You yes. just think you got a guy on the right path and you're speaking to him, and just all of a sudden he calls up and he'd been drinking. It's like, wow, my gosh, what, what in the world happened? Yes, that you know, and like if a, if you have a family, your children, you got to remember it's God's first, and then God gave you your wife, right? And then God blessed you with children, and then comes the church, right? And all others, and you know, I know I struggle with that as well because I felt the call to, you know, somebody called, I felt I had to go, yep and missed some ball games, some important times in her children's lives. and uh, But that's the way we were taught then. But, you know. If you could go back now, would you have went to the ball game or would you have went to the what you did, you think? I probably would have went to the ball game. <laughs> that's what Eddie Kurtz has been talking about. The ministry at home is maybe not the most exciting, but the most important, and his dad was a – something in the Amish bishop or something and he always picked the ministry over and it made Eddie just uh not like the ministry at all yeah. right so that's really good advice yeah it's that's a that's a hard line to walk like which which ones do you go and which ones do you stay 
Yes. But I know clearly the Lord said this year to start homeschooling the kids, so that's been and I I quit work, quit my job on in five on five twenty. And it's like ever since then we've been spending so much time together, it's just I don't know, it's like these the Lord's like they're gonna remember all these times, you know, that you're pouring in. Um so it's it's really been amazing. Like it's just every little thing is 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 a testimony, like a daily devotional. Like my daughter this morning, it's been pretty rough. She's she's only six, so and she's you know sassy, and so uh, she's like, it takes so long to do the devotional, Dad. And I'm like, uh, and I said, yeah, it's only because you're not. Uh, I didn't say anything. I don't remember what I said exactly, but I didn't discourage her. You know, I'm like, it's only because of whatever. You know, and so today we were going, and and she said how come the devotional didn't take very long today? And the wake turned around and he was like, and then she answered her own question. She was like, oh, it's because I was listening. And I was yeah. like, yep. <laughs> Once you hear what he's saying, then, I mean, if you get it, you get it. But if I look at you and I know you're not listening, I know you're not paying attention. I, like what a lesson that is for us in the Lord. He's like, this could take a while. Right. <laughs> Are you paying attention or not? I struggle with that. So, so many people, I, my biggest thing has been obedience. Like, if I'm obedient, an instant, I've heard this, slow obedience is no obedience. And uh, that really has stuck with me. And I've just, that's why I'm always, I'm always right there. I, I don't get past him, but I'm like, where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going? You know what I mean? Let me know so I can make a choice or, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem doing what he tells me. I just have a problem waiting on him. So, yes. yeah. Yeah. Or, oh Lord, you know, are you sure you really want me to do this? You know, I really don't want to, but, you know. And yeah, slow obedience. Yeah. Do you probably run into some instances where uh, other people expect you to be at the hospital or whatever, and they just don't really care about your family? I don't think people, you know, they say they care about the preacher's family, but sometimes they're more worried about you caring about them. Right. And, but the hospital issue that I've learned is, um, my wife knows if somebody calls in an emergency room, I'm going to go. Yeah, you know, regardless. Yeah, and especially if I'm there, and because uh, to me that kind of takes. I mean, when a parent calls or when a child calls on their parent, you know that hey, they're in the emergency room and they're really you can tell they're really yeah worried. Yeah, you know, uh, to me that kind of takes priority because yep. not only are you ministering to the one that's laying on the hospital bed but you're also ministering to the family as well right and it it is amazing how that when you walk in in a humbled attitude that you know i'm here because god's brought me here it's amazing how everybody changes right you know if you walk in that well you took me away from the movie i was watching and i'm not real happy to be here yeah, attitudes begin to change there as well, too. Yeah, then people remember that kind of preacher, and that really gives yes. all preachers a bad rap for no reason. It does. It does. And I've had more people that maybe a family member wasn't coming to church, and they're the ones that's in the hospital and family calls, you know, and when they get out, they end up coming mm-hmm. to church and uh so, yeah, you can either be a witness at the hospital or uh, for Christ, or you can be a witness for Satan, one or the other. You've got that choice. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of times, if it's a distance, why well, you got time to pray and, and get your heart ready. You may not know what you're walking into. I always like the story you tell that you can um, uh, fill the rest of it in is when you was, uh, we was just talking about, you know, some ministries go into these, football games and baseball games and we shouldn't probably be playing traveling ball on Sunday for Christian people. I mean, once in a while you might have to, but that's kind of a poor witness and kind of can lead down the wrong path for sure. But I think going to a Friday night football game and being there, then you was talking about, uh, as you got going to, I can't think where you was living at that time, but just how everybody was just so glad that you was there and the football team, uh, come to you and spoke to you. So, um, can you tell that story again? Sure. Yeah, we was at Tipton, and uh, we start going to the 
football games, and we sit all the way up next to the grandstand or the box, announcing box up there, and because uh, another couple in our church, they sit up there, and he videoed, but uh, and that's where we always sit. Well, I had uh, neck surgery and was gone that Friday night, and my wife went down to the ball game, and and uh, I could sit down on the front porch and hear the announcer so I could kind of keep track. But uh, when she got home, why, she goes, you know, you're quite popular down there. And I go, really? And she goes, yeah. And, and uh, one of the cheerleaders, a young lady, came to our church, and uh, I guess all the cheerleaders come up and ask her where Pastor David was because he's not setting up there. Mm. in the same spot and so she explained to him what's going on and well he's all right isn't he you know he's gonna be all right she goes yeah and uh then we had a couple of boys who played football and uh the team asked them you know where's where's your pastor at he's not sitting up there where he usually does and we can't see him anywhere so they had to explain you know what was going on Mm -hmm. and uh you know, you you never know the impact just that your presence right. makes, you know, that just by being there showed the young people that we were supportive of what they were doing, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, and it made the world, it opened up avenues to talk to more of them. Right. Uh, you know, there were several boys who played basketball as well as football, and uh, it opened up avenues to share with them and to talk with them and, you know, just be an encourager to them. And as I was sharing earlier, we had one boy that was kind of a smart aleck, and, and uh, <clears throat> he would <laughs> he backtalked some of the pastors there, but yet not once did he ever disrespect me. And, uh, you know, because I always tried to encourage him. If he had a bad game, you know, he still tried to encourage him. And uh, just being there, and if I wasn't sitting in that same spot or anywhere in the bleachers, he got worried that something was wrong. And uh, he would always ask, you know, one of the boys, you know, where, where where's the preacher at? He's not here tonight. You mm. know? And uh, so, yeah, and... You know, I always tell young people, we I may not be able to make all your ball games, but I'm going to try to make as many as I can. And and it's a great area to witness that. I mean, you know, my young son played for Chilcothy football, and as you well know, Chilcothy is a football town, right. you know. And uh, it was great to go on Friday night because you got to see people there you probably couldn't see all week long. Yep. And not only that, but also make new contacts. And uh, then you go out on the field and stop by a house and visit. Oh, yeah, we saw you at the ball game the other night, you know. And, well, there's a good avenue to start talking. Right. And so, yeah, it makes a big, big difference. It's kind of funny. Sometimes they might not want to go to church with us, but they do want us around. Yes. Yes. Because yeah. I think they, <clears throat> from what I've seen, as we go out and do different street reaches, it's like when you – if I, if I've went with a pastor, sometimes the pastors go with us and, right. and they say, oh man, I haven't been to church in a while. As soon as they see him, the guilt and the shame and everything. I mean, that's, it's, that's not, obviously you don't even have to say anything. It just comes because I was reading today in Galatians and it, it was talking about the freedom in Christ and how we don't live by the law. And it's like, that's, that's legalism. Like basic thinking, being ashamed because you haven't been to church is like that's when the law sets in. He's like, "Hey, look, you're free. You're you're free to to go where you want and do what you want. And like as long as you're representing the Lord, like as you go, you know, it's we come here to gather. We don't come here to check a box. And I feel like once it becomes the law for you, that's when it becomes guilt and shame because you haven't been checking the box. And then the law comes back. And I mean, I just I never saw that till today when I was reading that. But what's our new law? Like we don't get circumcised, and you know, because of the law, you know, we don't do all these things because of the law anymore. But we go to church because yeah. of the law." We, uh, you know, look good because of the law or, you know, anyway, I just thought that was super interesting. That's why I never tell anybody I'm a pastor because yeah. their whole personality changes when they find out you're a pastor. Yeah. Yeah, they just, uh, so many people are have been church hurt, would yeah. you say, and just uh, like, oh, boy, here's going to, 
judge me and uh um I can't think who he was just dealing with it was just so much churcher I'm sure you've dealt a lot with and you're out uh witnessing to people and uh their first thing there probably is I went to that church one time and something happened yes and it's everywhere right you know that's I, a hard one to uh have a comeback for <laughs> it is the best comeback I ever heard was a friend of mine, we was out visiting with an individual, and their comment was that, well, you know, I went to that church, but then I got hurt. Well, then we got going on, and he talked about how he had a bad experience at Walmart. And my friend goes, well, you still go to Walmart and go shopping? Yeah. And you had a bad experience there? Yes. Well, why can't you still come to church? Same thing. Yeah, right. That's a good one. And there was no answer, you know. So, yes, you know, it's whatever excuse we want to hide behind is yeah. what we're going to use to keep us from going or doing what God wants us to do. Yeah, that's for sure. Because really, I guess I when I quit when I was 25, it come from some kind of church hurt not going the way that I thought it should go. Then this thing's kind of raveled out of control. Then why would I want to go back to church? I'm waste an hour of my day when I'm really no different than anybody else there but until you really have that real encounter with the Lord um, it is hard to set into church because of the conviction and you know talking about stuff that you don't really want to talk about so um, at church church that's a hard one to get over yes yes it is um, as we got you here how many years have you been a minister it's been right at 40 40. That's a lot of wisdom. Um, as Eddie had told us to be sure that you really, uh, you know, just really speak to us as us, uh, you know, I've been a Christian for quite a while and, but, you know, it's fell off, but really just, you know, really involved with, you know, really as I should be probably just really a year as I come back and Joe, how long? Two or three? 2017. So five, five years. So, I mean, really, yeah, really give us some Wisdom, uh, Pastor Dave, what we should off. be, what we should be looking for, how we should, uh, how should we fight? I mean, the spiritual battles right now are crazy. Do you have any uh, real advice on uh, myself and all us younger Christians that are in some real battles? Well, let me start off by saying that there was probably thirteen or fifteen years that I ran from the Lord after and, you were called. You mean? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know. At that time, as a young man at 17 or 18, why uh, my dad had plans for me, and mm. all those plans went out the window, and uh, so there really wasn't no support. And then I, I got married, and I got into a secular job, and, and uh, you know, I just took off, and just we still went to church. And you know, as I said, we went to church. We didn't get involved. And uh, so it wasn't until my children came in one morning and woke me up and said, Dad, we're going to go to church with or without you. Oh, wow. And uh, that was a wake-up call. Mm -hmm. And so we started going. We went to Lark Street Baptist Church in Maryville. And... Uh, at this time, did you kind of know you were supposed to be a pastor and just didn't want to do it? Yes, just yeah. didn't. You know, the, the call, I guess, scared me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like <laughs> kind of like Jonah. I know I'm <laughs> supposed to do it, but I don't want to do it right now. You know, I don't want to go. And uh, Been there. so uh, it was while we was going there that God began to speak to my heart and said, you know, remember that call? way back when and uh, so got into the ministry went back and re uh, recommitted unto the Lord and said okay God you know let's go mm -hmm. and uh, so start pastoring and and at first for the first 10 years it was bivocational and uh so I appreciate the bivocational work that pastors do when they work at a secular job and then try to minister and balance all that out, which is not an easy job to do. And uh, then started full-time ministry, and 
And yet through all those years, they were still, I was learning and I was, I thought I was being totally obedient unto the Lord. And it wasn't until I got to one church that, uh, if God would have provided a secular job for me, I probably would not be sitting here right now. Mm, wow. That's how bad it was. And, uh, so I came across the, well, God brought us together, a gentleman, and uh, when we moved to Tipton, why, things were going great, but there was still, I felt an emptiness in a part of my area of my heart that there was still something missing. Mm-hmm. And as I shared up at the uh, revival that night that I brought forth God's word that uh, it wasn't until that I started that journey book oh, that yeah. I remember that. God began to open up that, uh, you know, you've just been walking through, but you haven't really been journeying through. Hmm. You know, you, you've been walking to me, but there's been no journey. There's been no growth. You know, there's been no, you're just plateaued. And uh, so that's when everything changed. And, uh, you know, and for me, pastors are human. Mm-hmm. You know, we all make dumb mistakes. Uh, we all get angry. You know, we, we show our emotions. And, uh, you know, definitely never put your pastor up on a pedestal. Because right. a pedestal does break. Right. And that fall... It's devastating sometimes, you know, Uh and, uh, but to me, the greatest lesson that, that I have learned is to feed myself as I commented earlier, but also to be me, you know, don't try to be somebody else and try to imitate somebody else. Be yourself. God designed us. He made us each one individually, each one different. Mm-hmm. I mean, so unique that even our fingerprints don't even match each other. Right. And I think sometimes we want to impersonate somebody that we're not to be accepted, to get people to say, look at me and that's to me. That's not what God wants, right? You know, right. Uh, to me, He wants pastors who are real, who are just being themselves mm-hmm. and true to Him and true to His Word. Yeah, yeah. The pastors, you know, when they get up there and speak some of their testimony, that they're not always been perfect, or you know, you don't have to be hooked on drugs or alcohol to not be perfect, but just kind of give a little bit of who they are instead of making themselves of something that they're not is really see that real in them is what really draws me to them, what draws me to you. So, yeah. you know, and I, I just try to be myself. Yeah. I was, uh, I enjoyed my alcohol at one time. I enjoyed my tobacco at one time, you know, uh, it's a past mm-hmm. and you know, Bible Paul teaches not to look at the past, right? You know, Satan wants to bring it up, right? But don't look at the past. There's times you may have to use your past to yeah. communicate to someone, you know, to show them that you're human like they are. But, uh, you know, that God's erased all that. You know, I always tell people that to me when he said erases all that is I had my mom for a teacher one year in school, uh, small school. I tell her by that for one year I was well for the first five years I was top and bottom of my class. Mm-hmm. I was the only one in my grade, you know. <laughs> and I know I got in trouble one day, one of the days, <laughs> and uh, she made me wipe down the chalkboard. Right. And probably a lot of people don't know what a chalkboard is, but <laughs> and uh, so I got all done and I told her I said I'm all done. And she looked at it. And she goes, No, you're not. I can still see the writing. So I had to go get a bucket of soap water, wash that all down, rinse it all down. And when I got all done, I said, 
I think I'm done. And she looked, she goes, okay, I can't see none of my writing. It's clean. You're done. And to me, that's the way when God says he forgives us and oh, wants us good. to be ourselves in him, that that chalkboard is wiped clean. Right. You know, you can't see the former writing that's done on it. Right. And so, therefore, we're not to look back on the former things, but we're looked at the present and the head and then, yeah, be patient and obedient as we were talking about unto the Lord and yep. to, to go from there. So, yep. That's good. I got a scripture I feel like I'm supposed to read. I got this on the way here, but it's, so right before this is Mark 9. Um, I'm sorry, it's Mark 8. But Jesus predicted his death. Um, he told me he was going to suffer terrible things. I'm just kind of paraphrasing. And um, he's going to be rejected. Um, and then Peter, who's been walking with him, um, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Um, sorry. And then Jesus turns and looks at Peter at his disciples and reprimanded Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. Um, You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's point of view. And then that hit me, and then I felt like the Lord was like, okay, pay attention. And then he said, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And uh, not that particular scripture, but the one about saving your life, wanting to lose it. I think it's in Matthew as well, 24. Uh, that's the one that um, the Lord told me on the way here. He's like, that's that's your verse. Because at a counter when I heard a testimony and a guy put that verse in there, and that's how he became free from his past. And I just I was thinking about how powerful that verse is. And then the Lord was like, but this is the rest of it. Um, talking about what you do with your life once you are free. I don't know. I just That just spoke to me today. That's really good. Um, well, unfortunately, we're getting here close to our mark. Uh, and I was just going to go around here. We'll start with Pastor Dave. We always ask a question. If you've listened to the podcast before, we know that you have. You got your T-shirt on. Just a, Dave's a wonderful guy. I just love him. He's so uh, supportive to all my uh, different ministries. And uh, just really glad to really glad that we met each other. Um, oh, how has God blessed you most recently, Pastor Dave? Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, I think, number one, we'd have found out we're going to get to be grandparents twice. Mm, wow. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, our youngest son and his wife are adopting uh, a boy, and they've had him for a year now, and so... We're just waiting on the final court date. Well, the little boy can't be by himself, so we're going to have a granddaughter come right around Christmas time. And, oh, wow. Awesome. And uh, that was a great blessing. I mean, I was, I'll admit I was kind of worried because of our daughter-in-law's age, but uh, everything's going good, and, and God's going to bless in that way. And... Uh, you know, and, and to me, God is blessed. Woke up this morning. Yeah, there you, you know, go. Still breathing, you know, heart still beating, talking to you all. And to me, that's a blessing within itself. Yep. Uh, another great blessing that uh, I just finished a book by uh, Dr. David Jeremiah. And the title was Prayer to Great Adventure or something like that. But it was on what we call the Lord's Prayer. It was actually when Jesus taught the disciples. But then he goes, and the last three chapters, he deals with the Lord's Prayer, Jesus' Prayer in the Garden. And one of the challenges was, was that to read John chapter 17 for 30 days. Wow. And so... 
I thought, okay, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to start September 1st and read John 17 every day. Well, Sunday morning, the Lord, the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of me and I went down and my little Bible here that I use a lot to preach with was open up to John 17. <laughs> so, okay, Lord, I get the message, you know. And this morning, so I've been reading it since Sunday morning, and this morning God opened up two verses here. And just quickly, it said, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And where's that at? John 17, verse 3. Three. And I thought, you know, the Holy Spirit just laid on my heart that, you know, when you look for brothers and sisters in Christ, to one thing to look for is make sure that they believe in the one true God. Yeah. You know? And that's what I've enjoyed, Brian, getting to know you and, and your precious family and uh, Joe and his precious family and all the other brothers and sisters in Christ through Man Up and through the revival and everything was that seeing a large group of people who was there to worship the one true God. Mm. You know, religion was left at the door. Yeah, right. That's good. And God was the center focus of Come all on. of our hearts. Come on. You know, and then there was another part here that just hit me this morning, and I thought, wow. Um, Jesus said, you know, I do not, in verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And then, and notice that, through their word, talking about the disciples. Mm-hmm. And were we learning about the one true God? Is through the words that the disciples wrote, you know, through their teaching. And now then, he says that you all may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I am you, that they also be one in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Yeah. You know, and uh, to me it's just, yeah, we learn from what the disciples wrote about their relationship in Christ and about the ministry of Jesus and and everything about Jesus, we learn from that. And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to do likewise. Right. You know, to go and, and to teach that word and to be one with each other as we are in Christ. As Christ was one with the Father, we too should be one in Christ Jesus. Yeah, come on. Because if we're not, then our relationship with Christ is a fake and we're not going to be in one with one another. Yeah. Right. You know, and uh, that's just something that to me that he blessed me with today that, you know, my prayer was answered. God, you know, as I read this, just open up something new. And, and uh, that's what he opened up to me this morning. I convicted me to read John 17. Yeah. It's funny. Lord put, 14, 15, 16, 17, all of those have been highlighted for me for the past year or better. I mean, it's, I'm, I kind of go to those pretty frequently, but yeah, that that specific verse, so that the world, and and they may be in us, so that so that the world will believe you sent me. How many people are we, man, look where the world's going. And we're like, well, tell them about Jesus. Yes. He says, and if you're doing it, do it so that, and you'll. this is how you're going to do it. Once you're one with him, then I just feel like there's all this pressure about sharing the gospel. Like we go out in the street reach and, and the enemy makes it so complicated, but it's not. It's just to love them and tell them about Jesus. And, and what did he do for you? Yeah. You think about Paul, he always shared about himself. Like this is what he did for me, blinded me, set me free. Now he's, you know. Yes. But. Yeah, you don't. And what better time to be a shining light oh, than man. in the midst of darkness. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of it. Thank you, Lord. Yes. For, thank you, Lord, for the darkness that they could see a great light. We get, well, I don't like excited, but um, we get to be involved with a kid that uh, did get saved over the weekend and uh, now is gone, be able to be a light in uh, in other people's lives. Just hopefully, uh, you know, come in this darkness and the situation and people can see the change in us and be able to witness through that. So, um, you have anything else, Joe? 
What was your question for him? What's a blessing? Oh, uh, how has God blessed you most recently? So the most recent, I mean, like driving here, like you said, but the one that stands out to me, um, my family um, is just continual, like getting to spend time with them like we talked about. But something as far as my faith is concerned with the Lord was going uh, pastor to pastor last week and talking to the pastors in Chillicothe and oh, yeah, picking up their picking up their flyers or their bulletins and getting their resources and asking them for that and, and putting it in the bags that we do street reach and develop this relationship. And now um, John is going to come to man up and share about his heart for, he really has a heart for to see leaders raised up to man up and, and, mm. and create leadership um, in the church. And it was actually just what you were saying earlier was about not quitting, never giving up. It was like, it's all tied together. So it's cool to see that like the Lord, Sees, put that in his heart and then gave him a place to share. And then right. but how many times we would miss it if we let our denominational boundaries hold us, you know, right. It's, it's like there's one body. Yeah. So my heart is in unity. Like I can't, I can't hardly stand to see division. And so that's, that's such a blessing to see somebody willing to come and share at a church. Yeah, it's not awesome. even his church, right? you know? And so, so cool. Yep, they're going to be a Man Up Revival this September 2nd at Turning Point. We was kind of waiting for a street reach and Man Up uh, meeting, and neither one of us could come up with a date. And I don't know how many people's asked me when the next Man Up is going to be. And I was like, I just I don't know where or when it's going to be. Then as soon as that meeting was over, I just kind of thought, I've got to go to this street reach meeting first. As soon as that's over, Joe calls the next day. Let's have a Man Up at Turning Point uh, this coming Friday. And I thought, that's pretty quick. And then I thought, uh, no, I was waiting for this, the meeting to get over, so I better say yes. So we'll be having a Man Up revival coming up, and I'm not sure after that, and it don't really make any difference. The Lord will, no reason to be getting ahead of the Lord and right. getting in yeah. his road. I think it's cool to do a street, be, we'll be doing street reach on Saturday. I really wasn't planning on doing that either. Like we just did one last weekend, so yeah. it's like now do another one because it's the only open weekend in September I have. So I'm like, we got to do another one. Um, Consistency. Cool to, yeah. The Lord said, "You set the I set that we set the dates out all the way to January oh, or, for, through December." So, yep. and He said, "Put it on the count. Like if you if you have faith, you'll put it on the calendar and just you know." Yep. Yeah. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Um, what the Lord's laid on me as we've sat here and talk is uh, spiritual warfare. I know that you've dealt with it and there's got a lot of good ad- advice on it, and I know that uh, you do too. For forty years in, so I think we ought to get together again sometime and just our topic will be uh, spiritual warfare and how to how to fight is what the lord has spoke to me as uh we've said here and done uh, part one you guys up for that yeah sounds good you bet all righty thanks for everybody listening we'll be back